0: Welcome. Welcome to another episode of Energy Bites. I'm Bobby Nealon. I'm here with my trusty co host, the Rad Dad John Calfan. Hey, everybody. And we've got Mark Heber with us from Dakota Analytics down from Calgary. He's the, uh, I think, second Canadian we've had. So, yeah,
1: good. But uh, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks Fun for coming. Here. Yeah.
0: But uh, yeah, usually just kind of start off, you know, kind of let people know who you are and then really want to get, dive into like, all right, how did you first even get into technology or even oil and gas or both and just you know where to go and how, how do we get to where we're at today and then we can kind of dive in on all the different cool things you guys do
1: yeah uh so work for a company called dakota analytics uh primarily based in canada but we are now in the states the past couple of years uh in large part and help to funk future with help with funk futures we helped us kind of Shout out to jeremy yeah, yeah shout out to jeremy uh breaking into the space uh we're about 50 consultants we only do data and analytics we don't do anything else so people trying to get us to pitch FTC systems. And I'm like, we don't do any of that stuff. So we're all data analytics. We work at about 40 oil and gas clients, say like last month. That's how many places we would have invoiced. Nice. Uh, and like just doing a ton of different projects. So right. a lot of our focus is like in kind of the basics. So yeah. a lot of like mid, mid-market kind of companies, not the huge ones that have a huge team, uh, not Grayson Mill because they're fantastic already, but some of the ones that are just Maybe either worse. starting out yeah or 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 d- can't build a basic los report like, yeah. without doing data dump stuff so my history i started at dakota 11 or 12 years ago but prior to that I used to work at a company called gordon's you know the fishermen. yeah yeah like, yeah so that up in boston just outside of boston okay. yeah a town called gloucester worked there for 10 years started out doing erp believe it okay. or not um fun stuff yep yeah. And decided that uh, it was more fun to work in the data analytics space because you got to work with a little more creative people, I would argue, like trying to <laughs> solve some weird, crazy, different problems. So migrated into that. Did a bunch of Microsoft stuff. This is way back in the day. Yeah. And then got recruited to move out to Calgary and work with Dakota Analytics. So okay, my so wife, my wife enough. moved to Calgary, so you're not managing having director. Director. Uh, technically my title is managing partner. Managing yeah. partner. So okay. there's myself and and two other gentlemen. Okay,
0: so back. you were not the founder.
1: No, the founders. So the name dakota analytics came from the founder went to the university of north dakota okay so right. he are trying to come up with the name we're not based in north or south dakota we're just that's <laughs> just where the name came from uh okay. and it's kept and ho- hopefully we have a decent brand
0: yeah now d- naming a company is one of those things that i get it i will spend days <laughs> like going yeah, through and product. iterating we products yeah companies RDS. trying to come up with the right name for our dashboard or our whatever it was And yeah well and it's funny too because the oil field is generally horrible (laughs) about it's like this engineering service or or this very ambiguous name like uh what was it uh we just go with any of the any of the abbreviations pharmacy companies yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. now you have the trend of EMPs trying to sound like tech companies but naming stuff is is a yeah strangely unique thing i think it was one of those i think it either just really doesn't matter or if it's really bad, I think it, it can be a bad thing. But yeah. I mean, like in in general, some of us just like don't overcomplicate it mm-hmm. and roll with it. I mean, Dakota's a fine name. It's like
1: it's uh, hard to be descriptive with a yeah. name. And it's oh, lots yeah. of acronyms. Yeah. So like, let's call it ABC. Right? And you're like, <laughs> yeah. What? No one's going to know what that <laughs> means.
0: Yeah. No. Well, and like, uh, that's the thing. I think a lot of people don't think it's important. But then you get onto the m- kind of marketing media side. And it's like, like even Energy Bytes, for example, there is a some kind of energy supplement company that makes a, com- a product called energy bites and, and it's spelled yeah. with a y just like ours so i think there even is an energy bites podcast like <laughs> i think it's probably. probably um but just <laughs> things like that right like thinking going and looking and like hey is there other stuff that pops up when i google this that is going to be competing with me for seo or for you know even just handles on your social channels and all that stuff it, it it's I feel like it's slowly getting more and more important these days, but
1: I learned about the lesson and the brand when I worked, when I worked back at Gorton's and like, they were talking about how long when you go to the grocery store to buy something, whatever, like mm-hmm. a, a bag of sugar and how long it takes you to make that decision. Yeah. And it's somewhere between like 0.2 and one second or something like it is. Yeah. You have a small amount of time you just grab the thing you need. And like, so they're just looking a lot of times like, Oh, there's the Gorton's fisherman. I recommend that. Right. That's going to be good. And I'll yeah. get that. Yeah. And, and that it's as simple as that. It's not yeah, what's on wondered, sale or any of those right, other factors? Yeah, one thing I think
0: I was thinking about it a couple of years ago. We were talking, and I was always wondering, like, say, dish soap. Like my parents use Dawn. I use Dawn. I don't even think about it. Yeah, like, probably, do I even think about trying Joy or? the whatever no i just go to grab like there's some interesting things that have just become
1: so i would in, like to think that that's how the dakota analytics brand yeah. is but i'm not entirely sure that's true but <laughs> so
0: you guys are pretty big in canada and you're and you're starting to make your way here or, i mean or of that split you said like 40 companies how how many would you say are you
1: know uh, about 20 percent of our business right now is in the states so, okay so uh we've been doing we've been doing reasonably well i don't think a lot of people feel the space that we're in yeah uh we're at a big enough size where we've got like continuity and we can staff a team of one to 20 people and then there's just there's competitors out there so not to diss our competition but there's not a lot of people that have the scope and size but then also have the experience of having to it. It. the average Dakota code employees worked for us for i don't know probably six years yeah seven years so it's a pretty good longevity that like i use this as an example all the time uh, there's oil sands in canada we did a competing demo six seven years ago with a, a company which i will not name and they called um heavy oils called bitumen mm-hmm. and they called it bitumen and i was like we knew at that point we were going to win that opportunity yeah. They, yeah it's like spelling the name right.
0: spelling frack with a k on a press release or something yeah. Yeah. I immediately take it with a grain of salt yeah um let's back up a minute you personally kind of grown up or when did you really get interested in kind of tech software bi kind of stuff
1: so went to school in new jersey went to rutgers for a couple of years got into erp just thought it was really interesting uh, really like the idea of using technology to change someone's life. Sounds a bit corny, but I really yeah. like that. That's no, kind nice. of the joy in in work for me. So getting into that and then doing more data analytics, which is pretty progressive. Yeah, is kind of a good space to be in. So started doing that at when I worked at Gordon's, and then for the past twelve years, doing that with Dakota Analytics. And what I love about the energy space is. There's always this debate is it simple or complicated it's fairly complicated like yeah. relative to other businesses for sure it's it's grow or die right so those are the businesses that or kinds of businesses that i want to be in for data analytics because it's very true so gordon's is consumer products you go three percent it's a good year yeah right, right. <laughs> on average i wouldn't say that for gordon specifically but like yeah if you work for general mills three yeah, yeah, yeah. percent but in oil and gas you go three percent like you're grace and won't be around right you're growing three yeah. percent a year that's not no one's publishing those as their for sure goals right so so that's what i really like about it and doing you know it for 12 years what uh you've because you've had
0: i was looking at your your linkedin earlier today you've kind of done like bi stuff with a lot of different kind of energy companies facing folks as well as obviously at dakota but kind of talk us through you know <laughs> what are some interesting stories or even horror stories that you've come across cuz it's really interesting in my opinion to kind of see like the evolution of of a topic or a subject in an, in the industry over time just cuz I think sometimes it comes full circle and other times it's like you can see you know you can see where everyone else was doing this one way and then somebody else came and did it differently and really kind of leapfrogged or started setting the bar much higher and
1: for sure like i'll give you a a couple stories come to mind so one and this was pretty repeatable but we'll engage with a company to do some work and one or two i'll call them super users or power users will latch on to like seeing the vision seeing how fast and how much better that they can get at their role a couple of them reported it right into the ceo so they were like sort of the right hand person to the ceo in terms of getting information whatever it might be okay and they latched onto these tools and said hey we need you know the automation and the integration and all those things that reporting slice and dice ability to do ad hoc analytics latched onto it and inside of 12 months two people in the exact same role they just moved one to a totally different role sort of not reporting to the CEO and they promoted this other person and like they'd all worked in the same role for the past three or four years and in the course of 12 months this person only because i would say they were leveraging the tools and (coughs) saw the vision just took it kind of to the next level yeah and i see that happen a lot and i use the analogy all the time like people are building houses and you take a hammer and you know a bunch of nails and you start pounding them in and data analytics specifically and maybe decode analytics is like the nail gun right so i'm like if bobby's got a nail gun and john has a hammer this race is not going to last very long. No, like yeah. in a couple of days, the forum is going to be like, we need another Bobby. shit. The end so, of the day, yeah. you know, even. So like. what's always interesting to me is when we come and say, hey, we've got the nail gun, right? Or are we trying to describe that vision? How many people are resistant to it? And I think for me, that's the biggest thing about data analytics is like, we're really enablers of change. Like yeah. that's, what we're, that's what we're trying to do, yeah. right? And the hardest part for every data analytics project is the people it's not really the technology yeah, like, the we behavior. can talk about technology yeah. today and stuff but that's not really the challenge like the behavior yeah Bobby and I were talking on Monday and it's like yeah I mean we were talking about Snowflake and Databricks like which one's better and it's like oh it's gonna depend if you like driving a Toyota or a Ford or whatever yeah. right like they're just <laughs> yeah. cars but it's really about that people and what gets me jazzed about it is just having people that are getting excited about it and then similar story we did an implementation for a company and they had a bunch of accounting people pretty tight deadlines around their accounting close process and that stuff it's taking them somewhere between like eight to ten days to do a close lots of process and they're really difficult so lots of them had like young kids so for those you know three four days before you publish your results like they're in the office till 12 1 2 like and it's always funny because I tell the junior people in our group like no no, it really matters I'm like well why does it matter I'm like you don't get to call the street and (laughs) tell them we're going to publish our results a little later and Implementing some of the solutions to automate all their reporting processes, like they're home at 8 p.m. Yeah. And I had a woman like almost in tears yeah. a couple of years ago that was like, you've changed my life. Yeah. And she told me some stuff I won't share on the podcast. Sure. but Like this has really like impacted my family life and it was tough and we were getting babysitters and like doing all that stuff. And now I'm home. Right. And I was like, well, that's the stuff that yeah. I mean, the bills are going to get paid, but that's the stuff that really gets you jazzed about yeah. doing the work.
0: I mean I think that's the that's the the dream state I think of most kind of tech especially on the data side right like the data analytics business intelligence stuff is make your life easier allow you to focus more on what you know they hired you to do what computers can't do what uh, AI can't do and ultimately the goal of that is to allow you to have more time to do whatever you actually like doing and being at home spending it with your family all of those things so it's a And, and I mean, our industry is just so ripe (laughs) for that across so many, so many spaces. So it's, it's, it's cool. I
1: have a question for you guys. Like, do you feel like, I would say a decade ago, the sentiment that I heard was like oil and gas was, they're not data savvy. They're behind the times. They're kind of Neanderthals when it comes to the data analytics space. Yeah. I don't feel that way anymore. Do you guys feel that way?
0: I don't feel it. I mean, it, I think it's even gotten better in the last couple of years. I mean, I mm-hmm. f- think even like five years ago, people were like, oh, we're so far behind. <clears throat> I think we've had the conversation before though, too. but I think when you throw in how much risk is involved in some of this stuff, especially on the you know, actual physical side of it, like you can't run machine learning algorithms in the field that you can run, you know, on a marketing campaign, <laughs> like, right. You know, because the risk is way bigger. Like, yeah, but no, I, mean, I think it's definitely caught up. I mean, I, And I I think people always undersell like you talk to someone in healthcare, oh, we're so far behind. You talk to someone in other industry, oh, we're so far behind. Everyone thinks that they're behind. Like I mean, I think it's relative to your industry too. Like, are you solving the problems you need to solve, you know, with the technology that's available? Yeah. And I think, you know, the other another component of it that I've kind of thought of over the years is I mean, oil price drives a lot of this. And I don't mean that to say that High oil prices means we throw more money at software and analytics and stuff. It's actually typically the opposite, right? Like, it downturns force people to find new ways to be creative and cut costs and automate things and streamline things and try new technology because they have to because oil is thirty five dollars a barrel and their break even price is thirty dollars a barrel currently or whatever it may be. Yeah. Um. I you know I've seen I came in in twenty ten as a field engineer, yeah. and you know when prices are above 80 a 100 dollars a barrel the at least historically the mindset has always been get it out of the ground as fast as we can before it drops back below that price right and so people aren't necessarily as prone to do you know testing or data spend money in areas that isn't deemed necessary so to speak because you know if i can shave 2 dollars does it really matter if price is 100 dollars or 102 dollars a barrel off my operating costs yep. no, it doesn't no. uh it's more about getting it out as quickly as you know we can and so these downturns actually end up in my opinion spawning a ton of innovation and and change in the industry because we're essentially forced to right and yeah. so that's to do more with less right, right. That's that's, what, you know like you're saying before we got on here the best way to do that is with computers that's what they were made for. yeah
1: we yeah. get the most interest in that like 50 to 60 dollars mm-hmm. well range yeah you know where it's like we're profitable so we're not trying right. to squeeze a penny but it's not, yeah. When oil was one hundred and forty dollars, everyone was like,
0: "I'm going to waste my time. I'm not going to throw resources." at. Yeah, I was going to, to say a, that's the other problem. warehouse. My, yeah, they're like, "Let's put a for, hole in the ground." Let's, let's go right. for
1: long lunches yeah. at Morton's because we're, to, <laughs> just, yeah. whatever anywhere we stick a hole in the ground, we're going to be profitable.
0: Well, and <laughs> it also gets to the point too where resources become a problem, right? Like if oil is so high and they can't get enough people in seats, you know, uh, like two years into my career and from 12 to 14, I mean, they were just hiring co- kids straight out of school into completion engineer roles to basically manage paper and documentation and stuff because they had so much activity going on. Mm-hmm. And then they slowly, they weren't able to find it. Like, you need more resources the more <laughs> the higher oil prices are because the more wells you're gonna drill and all this stuff. And so that means you don't have the time or the resources, personnel primarily, to focus on. A new thing or trying out a new technology—it's just blow and go. Versus, to your point, once prices kind of get in that stable fifty, sixty dollar range, people are making money. They're not making a ton of money, so and the activity is slowed down. So they actually have time to potentially go do try things out, try and figure out how we're going to implement these new things, and it actually makes a bigger impact on the business. You know, percentage wise, it's a—it's definitely an interesting <laughs> industry because of that for sure, but. I agree with bobby as well you know prior to coming here i worked at a at an edge computing startup and uh sold into retail manufacturing and and some uh even cellular and a lot of people are in that same boat where it's like you know we're decades behind or a decade behind or we're slow or whatever it's i think you know the biggest thing to me is like it really just depends on when the industry started and how long they've been around and you know is the company that you're working with in that industry a fairly new company or have they been around for 30 years because that changes what their tech stack's going to look like it changes how they approach technology and all that stuff right like if you're a plant and you've been operating for 50 years you're probably running on a rather old version of windows on virtual machines on prem somewhere versus if you're a brand new one like you have a completely different arsenal because you're starting fresh with modern tech instead of having to figure out how to rip and replace and
1: this is what i find most interesting remember we work at about 40 different companies i've exposure to maybe 20 of them the companies that are really progressive on like data and i mean this from a culture standpoint Mm -hmm. not like working with together that are really progressive they're the best ones yeah like i'll I'll write them down for you guys after the session (laughs) you can file it away and go look at it in 24 months yeah And you'll see that those are the companies that are doing extraordinarily well. Yeah. Like the executive teams and leadership teams that really focus on that. It's such a huge differentiator, right? Mm -hmm. I don't mean IT did. I mean like a lot of mostly engineering, like who can produce a barrel a little bit cheaper. It's those companies that are being really progressive that ultimately are going to win. And I've seen the opposite side of that. Right. Where everyone's like, you know what, just dump some data out and we'll do our LOS reporting at a you know, area level or state level and we won't worry about it. And then as soon as prices go down, it's really hard to change the culture of your group to do stuff a little bit differently. And
0: then on top of that, you don't have the money to implement any change because prices are are so low, right? It's too late late. at that point. Yeah. Yeah.
1: At that point, someone's making an offer like, you know what? We can operate that well or this group of wells much cheaper. So let's just buy them and that makes sense financially. No, I
0: definitely agree with you. And I think that's been a consistent theme across most of our our guess is it's got to be almost organization wide. Like it's a culture, it's a mentality, it's a top down and bottom up. It can't just be one or the other um, because, you yeah, know, well, you start getting one the, thing is it can't come from the middle. Yeah. <laughs> too. I mean, yeah, like, absolutely. It's tough to come from the middle. I mean, <laughs> no, like, it's usually a leadership thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I can, there's a company that we work with or, or actually we don't work with them now, but we worked with them for three or four years and their CIO at the time, super invested in data he knew that was the differentiator and i had a great conversation a few weeks ago with kind of the leader of that data team and i was saying we we're, we were talking about a project like this could save you guys a million dollars okay this is an example and he's like yeah no my boss won't even want to talk about a million <laughs> like it's not even on the table he's like unless we're talking about like 10 to 20 to 30 million dollars like take the expense out it doesn't matter right unless we're trying to like catch a big fish it's like i don't want to do it and it was like i almost fell out of my chair right because it's like hey let's let's spend a little bit of money and we'll save a million bucks who's gonna not want to do that <laughs> yeah he's like oh that's not even close to big yeah, enough uh,
0: five six salaries and benefits I mean, we're like, fishing you know, for minnows <laughs> yeah no i mean that's what happens when price gets above 80 90 dollars in barrel. people people start
1: well the other thing boring. is worrying less about it you know? yeah the other thing is like they believe that those that savings is there Right? right so by being innovative <laughs> yeah. they, they no, think they're right, going to reduce their it. op costs yeah 10 20 30 million a year like that's that's stuff that you're going to talk with the board about yeah like but, it's again, a but, big like, deal. but
0: if you guys come in and save a million one time it's like well what else where, could you where else can we find another yeah. million to, well, know, like, well that's our business model right yeah. this
1: is sort of like we're going to try to build a brand where we're helping and and then that leads to more work for us so yeah. like we're all project based but we're hoping one project leads to another project right. to yeah. another project and so
0: so let's talk about your the business model a little bit because i mean like Honestly, when I first heard about you guys, I was like, "That's exactly how I would do consulting if I did it." You know, we've talked about this a little bit. Thank and, you, Bobby. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, you, they no one can see, but I'm sliding a duffel bag of cash across the, <laughs> under the table under the table right
0: now. No, but I mean, like, I mean, bef- you know, we've implemented some certain tools at GME. And I'm like, well, man, if I ever got out and did my own consulting, I would do it this way because you can. So, can you kind of talk about kind of the modular almost approach? And you, you, it's almost a blend between like a product and consulting. Um, yeah. And just kind of how that works because i mean obviously you can come in and do a totally greenfield thing if you needed to but you guys have a lot of stuff in place so just gonna speak to that
1: so general rule uh new companies starting out they don't have automated los reporting I'll, I'll use that as an example uh so we come in because we've done so many of these projects before we're going to implement a framework you know error handling reporting the integration if you need to do master data data cleansing we would do that sort of stuff and we publish a solution so we would like to think that we could do it you know, 30, 40, 50% faster than someone just starting from from scratch because we've got a lot of code and things we can drop in. So we'll come in and do a project. Again, we call it a solution. Uh, it's hard to make it a product product because right. everyone's Everybody's, doing a little different. Just yeah, simplicity different. of like, if you're an ARP oil company versus gas stuff. company, yeah. what you want to look at, right. transportation, all that stuff would, could be tracked differently. So mm. 70, 80% is the same. You go implement it. Hopefully the client's happy. They get good use out of it. And then they say, hey, can you help us do this and do this and do this? So we do mostly project work. Uh, come in, do that, build out projects, and that just sort of leads to more projects. Yeah. So that's kind of our model. Yeah, th- it's not really software because we don't sell <clears throat> any software. Yeah, But it's You've a solution pick- that if you looked at, if, if we did LOS reporting for Grayson Mill and then switched and did it for, you know company acts yeah and you looked at the two be like ah, this looks pretty similar
0: <laughs> yeah yeah it's like i mean you're there's not there's just probably minor differences to say on the let's just call it you know you guys did a lot of power bi so the power bi report is a lot of the same guts i mean I, I feel like up to a certain point there's a lot of the wiring but i mean after that i mean and then tweaking some stuff downstream a little bit but i mean
1: yeah how you group accounts how you yeah. group your wells into different reporting areas like the how you define what gross is or how you net stuff out sure. or that kind of stuff yeah those are all like the nuances, yeah. Right. It. I hope that's the value of it because we're really customizing it to whatever the customer needs, yeah. And and I think that's maybe a differentiator for Dakota. It's like we really want to build a product that you're going to leverage the most, right? Again, the idea being around change management. It's like, how do I produce the report that you want with the least amount of change for that right. business person because yep. they have to go run their do their job a different way, right? Yeah. So that's why I find with a lot of the software packages that implement stuff, it software in general is fairly rigid in terms of like what you're going to get and if that is too different from your current business process it can be difficult to get adoption yeah and we've all been through the like they're gonna
0: work around it because they need to get stuff done yeah
1: we've all been in that world where you know you're like this software is awesome you implement and then like (laughs) six months down the road no one's using it and you're like wait wait, what happened we it's like it's just too different from their business process right right? and everybody's busy so
0: yeah no i mean that i've never thought about it that way but it does make a lot of sense on the uh, kind of consulting side just you know you you have a framework so to speak right it's yeah. not necessarily templatized but 80 ish percent of the legwork is mostly done because most people do things in a handful of ways but the benefit of it is instead of buying a out-of-the-box software that you know is super structured locked down and you know maybe it's got an api or whatever but even then it's like, okay, well, now I've got to figure out how to <laughs> structure it, how I would do it versus how they want me to do it. Um, or, you know, I need this data to flow into this other thing. And so now I've got to figure out the whole API and the databases and all that stuff versus, hey, we can give you you know the same product, but it's actually better because it's completely customized to your architecture where you want. You can get it where you expect to receive it, how you expect to receive it. <clears throat> and how we can have it flow exactly where you need it to go without you having to do all this extra crap
1: and that's one of for business people like that's one of the big things because we have an engagement we're on site effectively for you know a month two months three months however long being there and having that regular communication which really is knowledge transfer training and being able to do that versus like when you implement software it's rare let's say never but it's rare for like i use peloton peloton to drop someone into a, a right. client site for like, hey, this person will be here for six months, just help you if you have yeah. questions. It, it Walking does not, everyone through. Well, either, either, how you, it works, either, either right, you're gonna so. pay a lot of money for those other things, They'll
0: that. happily do it. You're gonna pay. You
1: money. don't see it happen a yeah. lot, is my point. <laughs> Whereas for us, like that is the model. Like we right. literally want to sit at the client site. We want to have the water cooler talk. We want to build trust and help you understand like what are your actual pain points, yeah. right? For like things that you want to resolve. And that is what brings trust and yeah. that's how we build our brand up and yeah. that's how we get more work. We, okay. we don't do a ton of marketing and stuff. It's mostly like through word of mouth.
0: Yeah. I I mean I imagine that's uh that also results in a much better product too for your end users, right? Like that's one of the biggest things that I mean, I'm a mechanical engineer because I I was sick of how poorly designed things were, right? It was like you can tell they designed it on paper in a computer or whatever but then the person that actually designed it never put their hands on it or they wouldn't have designed it that way because they made some stupid thing fit into a spot that was impossible for you to actually get into it to replace or do any kind of maintenance on yeah once it got to that point and so i software is the same way i think that's why i like software so much is uh you know the user experience of using a software is so nuanced and customizable or is can be nuanced and customizable specifically for you know these individual workflows at these different departments and all those things that you know if you don't have someone sitting there watching them do what their yeah. normal workflows are and peering over the shoulder as they do it and taking notes and asking questions, you get a much you know it's that turnkey experience where it's like, eh, okay, <coughs> I think I click this button and then I think I'm supposed you're having to it's that change management you're having to relearn this entire new thing on top of (laughs) trying to get your job done like you normally would um so just having just being able to have you know it's i mean it's it's custom software development right yeah and so that's that's a a nice thing because there's so many softwares out there especially in the oil field that are so poorly uh done from a ui ux perspective yeah UI UX is probably one of the hardest things 100 i mean like yeah. I mean, the, all the data pipelines, like you said, like all that we can talk about Databricks or Snowflake or whatever. I mean, like those are really generally solved problems. Like you can kind of figure out. I mean, yeah,
1: most engineers go and like spend 10 minutes. You're like, oh, okay, this makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I-, I got it. Like it, yeah, it's just like- When you get to you that endpoint, then people are like, well, this doesn't do what I
0: thought it was going to do, like, or, or it doesn't work in the way that I thought, or- I mean, This can, is the
1: problem I'm trying to solve and it doesn't do that. Yeah. Or mm-hmm. it's more than three mouse clicks. Or can you give me an, an right. export to Excel button? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good good segue so most of the solutions models things that we build mm-hmm. we obviously power bi you can analyze in excel so you can use excel as an interface uh, you guys had someone on the podcast a while ago that said excel is never going away and I, w- I was listening to it and i was like yeah, absolutely yeah right and, and i'm supposed to be progressive and a technologist and like a visionary in mm-hmm. all this space and i'm like excel's not going away no it's just so easy right yeah. for everyone to go use and it can solve the problem yeah Really fast. So, all the models that we create, if we build Power BI, spotfire Tableau reporting, there's an Excel, like you can, not a download, like it's sure. connected to the data set. So, you can pull in and do all your reporting. And that, ironically, is like in the finance accounting space when we do oh, projects yeah. there,
0: oh, yeah. you get
1: all kinds of traction. It's like, wait, I can build this report in Excel and then just hit refresh next month. Like, yeah. Yeah, that's how it's supposed to work. But a lot of people, you're looking at me, Bobby, like I'm crazy. A lot of people are like, this doesn't seem like it's possible. I'm like, no, I yeah, can't believe you're people... doing downloads of CSV files. That's what I can't believe. Put, wait, till you tell people
0: you can put ten million rows into Excel
1: technically. <laughs> yeah, we get lots of projects because people are trying to ingest a few hundred million records. And but I mean, i just but and...
0: people don't realize through like Power Query yeah. and like they can mm-hmm. load
1: it to the data model or whatever, and yeah.
0: you can build your pivot table off of a hundred million row. So, table in so memory big part. like yeah I mean, the
1: education part is a big yeah. part of this job you yeah. know, when you work in data analytics but, sure. yeah i mean
0: but to your point we've had a lot of success at gme just i mean meeting them in the middle like you can you can be the people that say no we're not using excel we're gonna do, or you can say this is you know how to do your job with this and like and again instead of you going to your erp and exporting this same stupid csv every month and yep. doing all these things just Hit refresh because I have an ODBC connection or yeah. a Power BI dataset connection and when it just works. Like, it's one of those things too, from a just a management perspective, right? Like, damn near everyone knows how to use Excel, um, and so hey, if you leave and we have to replace you with somebody, they yeah. probably know Excel, right? Like, and I, I think it kind of <coughs> ties back to the UI UX stuff, but like serving people whether it's data, reports, whatever it may be on the software side, serving it to them and something that they're comfortable and familiar with is a much, much better experience than trying to get them to learn this new thing or go through this workaround workflow or anything John, like that. I, right? hope, like, I
1: hope all the junior people at Dakota that have started listening to that. <laughs> yeah, Like we have this debate. because like, oh, let's do, let's do it in Power BI. Or let's build it in Spotify. I was like, oh, they won't use it. Like they need Excel. Yeah. Given who the audience is. Yeah. They're like, no, no, you don't understand. Like, you can do way more stuff inside private like no i i know how power yeah, BI works. <laughs> yeah. i know how it works i'm telling you what they're gonna want well i so.
0: think yeah i mean that's the other big thing too is like oil and gas is is also pretty unique in the fact that so many different departments need some all or a portion of so many different data sets coming from all of these yeah. sources so like just the the data architecture and everything on the background all your models and stuff like being able to serve the same to serve information to a completions drilling engineer, that also ends up serving some of that information to an accounting finance person. Yeah. all from you know the same group of sources is very important, and it has to be you know like ideally it's all in one pipeline. It's coming from the same places. It's all been synchronized. The data is structured. It's cleansed. It's all your ETL is done. And historically, that has never been the case. It's always been all these silos and CSVs or emails or you know <laughs> it's yeah. It, and that creates a huge problem, right? Like just having a standardized single source of all of your data that you, people can peel pieces of that off that they need, and not being like, okay, well, hey, accountant, here's all thousand rows of our data database, yeah. right? Like they're not gonna know what to do with that. And so that again, it, it all just goes back to knowing and understanding the user is so critical for a lot of this stuff.
1: I, I think it's fine. I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, we were meeting with the IT manager uh, two weeks ago he was asking us we connected to data sources so 40 clients 20 years 50 projects like we've See i don't won't all, say we connected all of them general, but like but a yeah. lot of them he's like so have you guys connected into Peloton? <laughs>
0: i'm like yeah it's pretty Pel- pervasive we've uh, probably two-thirds of the clients we work with at least <laughs> yeah it, it,
1: the, the question was pretty telling right because so i was like man we Connect into it. Like we've connected probably forty times this year. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like what what do you what field VARCAR length do you want to know? Yeah kind of yeah. stuff. Right. Like we were pretty intimate with it. He was like, You guys connected into that? Yeah, we've connected to it. But there's lots of companies out there just yeah. starting down that path. So they just don't live in this space. They don't know about stuff. So hopefully we can keep helping them. was not that I mean, like
0: maybe it's a slightly off topic, but there were things with story I was like, maybe I think this an oil and gas executive brought someone in and was like, Hey, I got an idea for like a startup and basically your phone could like hear a song and it could tell you who sings it and they're like, they're like yeah that's shazam <laughs> like <laughs> that exists mm-hmm. like yeah i mean some people just don't realize what's been solved or what's done
1: like <laughs> in that area era now of like there's more information than you can process yeah yeah right? like i grew up in an era where like you had encyclopedias yeah and like you read them all and then that was it there's no one <laughs> else, else to learn like
0: yeah you remember like that's just i thought about that the other day like how that i mean that experience is basically dead right like my our kids will never have to get yeah, th- there's more yeah, data right.
1: now now it's about like choosing what it's right. really important to choose which and filtering which data or which information you want yeah because there's more information being created than you could possibly digest yeah. right so it's going to get even it's only going to get worse it's well, going to get weirder with yeah. all the ai stuff too well, yeah because it's AI good- is going
0: to be optimized for being at the top of those results and And that
1: in our space that's the like curating the right data Mm -hmm. I mentioned three mouse clicks before literally like four mouse clicks and Mm -hmm. like there was a VP at work when he's like that's I don't know how to." I was like no it's one more click (laughs) (laughs) Click one more time that's the answer he's like I don't know that's four clicks so we're like okay go back to the UI yeah change it so then it's three yeah
0: no I mean but you're if you're clicking buttons all day like it sounds stupid but going from four to three on a workflow that you're doing multiple times a day or a week or whatever like it it has it has an impact on the user experience right i'd be retired
1: i'd be retired if i got a dollar (laughs) for every time that questions come up yeah yeah it's pretty it's pretty critical especially when you're a data worker yeah and you're typing and clicking keys Mm -hmm. all day well that's that's the
0: thing like developers can get so hung up on like you know getting the getting the feature done or checking the box or whatever that a lot of times you know, I, I know everyone that's ever had any kind of development work has run into that, where it's like, give the developer a task and they bring it back and it's like, hey, it works. And it's like, yeah, but the average person yeah, but... wouldn't use it this way, right? Like, Or it's not intuitive or it takes three extra clicks or it's like understanding how the, the end user is going to be actually doing this and what they're currently doing is so important because it can be a great software, but if it takes them twice as long to use it just to get to the end result who gives it they're not going to use it i think that's
1: what's lost a lot is like adoption is the measure of success for us like are we getting adoption Mm -hmm. are people using it so either someone's using it a lot or a lot of people are using it casually i think that's how you measure it agreed so So with that i mean do
0: you have anything in the stacks that you deploy that's measuring like where you're tracking like how much of a dashboard or a certain data set or whatever's being
1: used so, so two ways one just on the data side so if you're curating like connecting your own tables and building your own stuff we'll query that yeah and then provide stats on like how much it's getting used okay and then specific to power bi we have power bi usage reporting which will connect which is native already but we actually connect into the uh like the back end of power bi to be able to connect to you, even if you're using excel okay even just doing queries in excel you can keep track of like who's using it and that stuff and it's it's just something we can plug in yeah, you know, and people can use, and it's fantastic because you'll get uh whenever someone in operations like I need this, it's critical. I got fifty people; they're all going to use this tool. It's going to be the best tool. Yeah, drop everything and work on this thing. And you're like, okay, and then you go build it for them. And then someone in another group's like, "Are they using it?" It's like I've oh, clicked on it four times last Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I mean, again, and we're, and we're that's probably an evolution that
0: we need to get to at GME. We have some stuff where we can see, yeah, you know, which reports are being used most, but. I remember actually my, my buddy Alex, I think we're t- I've talked about trying to get him on to the podcast. He works for Oxy. He's an AI manager now, but he was doing some really cool Spotfire stuff. But he and another guy, they, they wove Google Analytics into their Spotfire projects so they could see where people were clicking and when they clicked to this, where they went to the next thing. It was it was pretty cool. Like, and then they had the stats in-house to see like how people were even using the reports. Yeah, yeah. I
1: think it's great. To be able to drive, like, where should you be spending your time and your money next? Yeah. yeah. If you're getting good traction, I mean, I mentioned before those power users that are going to go really move the business forward. Yeah. If you can figure out where they're going and and help them, you know, or or yeah. even see them doing something gonna that's say, not that efficient, or for and y'all to be y'all, proactive y'all. to go help them, yeah. like, make that faster or better. And then for y'all, even to say on a sales
0: side, you can find your champions. <laughs> like mean, yeah, in a way, sure. I mean, like, yeah. Knowing who's using it the yeah. most and I mean, like, how would, they're using it. You want to be like nefarious big brother thing, but I mean, like you can identify these are people that,
1: you know, can help us, you know,
0: in the business or, you know, or that believe in us.
1: Yeah. You can tell that in a five minute conversation. Yeah. You <laughs> can, people's enthusiasm for it. Right. It's pretty evident. Yeah. Most yeah. of the time. Well,
0: I mean, i got people in our accounting team. It's like there's a the two or three, like those are the people. If I know I want to get some adoption, like they're all in like and the other people yeah. there's we're still working on them like you should probably do this a little better but like there's like two or three in and, and they're higher up anyway, so it's great you know and they have that kind of push down effect but yeah one uh thing i'll throw out there because it's one of the points of the podcast but uh one of the tools that a lot of people use on kind of the web marketing side is called hot jar and i highly recommend it but it'll give you heat maps of it's cloud-based but It'll give you heat maps of where people's mouse is, where people ran into, you know, they fell off essentially, which means they couldn't figure out what they were supposed to do next. Um, it, it'll give you anonymized recordings of the actual session to show you like, okay, they landed on your homepage on the website and then they clicked this button and then they went over here. And then it looked like they were trying to click on something there, but it wasn't actually a link or it was a dead link and then they went back. And so it's like, oh, that's a really good way to, <laughs> to figure out, you know, hmm. what, where people are getting stuck, you know, a lot of times or where people are spending a lot of their time and stuff. It's a uh, it's something I originally found out about when I was having those guys look at redesigning our RDS ones Oh back. yeah. Um uh, I'd never heard of it, but you know, like the the UI UX guys love it because it gives them direct insight into what, <laughs> how the users navigating it, what they're doing, you know. And because th- that's one of the again, one of the hard things with developers even on the front end is hey, this looks like this really obvious button and this is the workflow and you know the workflow, but you're so into it that you don't realize that someone who's completely fresh to it has no idea yeah. what they're supposed to be doing just because you've designed it for yourself almost, right? Um, I want to get into a couple of things. One, AI, and two, kind of the the joys of, of oil oilfield data, UTL, and databases. Um, which one should we jump in on ai i mean the first thing i want to know is when is ai going to replace dakota
1: analytics (laughs) hopefully not soon. yeah uh i think just like you're joking but it'll augment the work that we do sure like we're already obviously leveraging ai for a bunch of stuff that we do making us more efficient again ai is a great tool it's i don't believe it's the answer to everything no for sure most people say so yeah, i think there's a place it's growing i think to the it'll grow at the pace that humans can adopt it right? yeah like it's there's no limitations in terms of what we can do so
0: what are some interesting things you're seeing kind of focused around the, the data and analytics and bi space with that you
1: know one of the most interesting ones is just like the migration of data platforms and being able to leverage ai yeah. to do a huge part of that That used to be a lot of heavy lifting right if you wanted to swap out from like uh traditional you know, SQL Oracle thing. SQL Server yeah. database, and like move it to the cloud, and go to SaaS, and do that kind of stuff. That used to be a you know two three year project at, at yeah. some some of our clients to migrate everything. And I think now just so much opportunity to be able to leverage right. a bunch of the AI tools. Yeah, what you're to saying. I
0: think Andrew was saying the other night at dinner, like you know he wants to, if he wants to convert you know Microsoft uh, SQL Server T SQL to Databricks or to Snowflake, like you just pop it in and say convert this yeah see what to another one like which sounds ridiculous i mean they're and they're very similar but we there's be enough careful
1: because like people are like there's people in the office getting shamed like why are you recoding that like toss it into chat gpt or bing or yeah <laughs> it's like hey they don't know like <laughs> yeah show them the first time don't make them feel bad yeah about it. so but again like that augmentation that you know just it's yeah.
0: again like like microsoft's calling it, it's a co-pilot like allow it yeah. to help you i mean like it's there i mean don't spend you know three hours banging your head against the wall like go ask or i mean and that or I mean, ask other knowledgeable people like you were saying they're not you have a lot of really knowledgeable people at dakota so talk to each other but also like you know let the computer help you
1: yeah exactly the same way as you know i the simple analogy is like <clears throat> you used to do like arithmetic on a piece of paper and stuff and now it's like just learn how to use your calculator yep yeah right you don't need to know what the actual math is to do it same thing with the ad just which tool do you need to use because there's a lot of different tools yeah copilot and things that you can leverage sort of exploit doing work but fascinating to me because obviously because we work across a lot of different clients and some people are really really good and like they're churning out work at 300 of what dakota could do and some are at like three percent of what dakota would do yeah so you get the whole spectrum of like what people are leveraging and that's why i say like those companies the data culture that are really progressive are doing it at the 300%. Like, well, you've got to win at some point. Like if yeah. you're running that yeah. much faster than everyone else, at some point you've got to win this race. So I think one of the interesting things for us, and we've been doing more of like advisory services of late where everyone's like, I just want to hear your perspective. Mm-hmm. Like come in for a week, let us show you what we're doing and then compare us to lots of your other clients. Right, sure. To see like where they fit. Cause I don't think data people in general are that collaborative i think we're collaborative in things we want to talk about but not the things like the you know dirty laundry on the floor so like we're not collaborative about the things we don't want to share and we don't get good perspective yeah like you know bobby's at gme like they're the best data company in the whole world right not going to say they're not but there's probably like things we're like oh you should look at that this is kind of different or you're really you are really good at this like you said yeah. m- before most of our clients think they're terrible at everything yeah we're like you're actually doing really well yeah <laughs> relative yeah to your you know, when you don't right. have a perspective on yeah. like where other people are at i mean one thing that
0: kind of came, came to my mind there too is like what about like on the documentation side because i mean and so do y'all provide like say data documentation like a data dictionary glossary and like have you even looked at some of like the ai stuff for
1: augmenting that as well yeah for auto creating documentation on stuff well we already have a bunch of stuff published Remember yeah frameworks right so sure. you're going in you're creating a standardized solution so we're taking the general stuff, making a few tweaks to it, and then it goes. Um, in terms of like functionality, like of the tools and stuff, mm-hmm. the vendors, like, you know, Tipco already provides yeah. a whole bunch of information like, here's how you do it. Sure. Um, so we're seeing a little bit of that around the AI, but yeah, because documentation is one of those no one really wants to do no. it. No, no, it's, and then
0: it's it, like the perfect use case for a, a language model if if, yeah. if it's good at it, right? Because no one wants, no one likes doing it unless yeah. you're like, you're building something for yourself that you know you're going to need to go back into multiple times in the future just dump it and click the button i mean it's yeah and most of that's the other yeah. thing too Explain like this most code of to me the time it's better than what a normal person would have done because they wouldn't have documented it as well potentially mm-hmm. um or it's hard to have well i, mean, I guess it depends on the
1: person of there course, could be but,
0: well that i was gonna say it could be maybe a little more standardized because the model produced it right but the model is also very
1: uh it can be depends depends on on. what the creativity one of the the big ones for us bob is just creating documentation like inside your code Mm -hmm. so like as you're doing data integration across sources or like putting business logic Mm -hmm. into the code yeah typically tends to be like one two developers so it's not a lot of people doing it sure just being able to leverage ai to document what's happening yep and kind of like why it's happening yeah so that you know six 12 months down the road when someone calls the code and says hey can you support this isn't working like you can go in and look and find out really really quickly right what it is and that's yeah. it's changing the amount of time to do a support ticket from like 15 minutes to like it could be days right if you sure don't know what's going yeah on. Yeah. So, yeah you gotta dive in You're like what the heck's going on here yeah so very useful in that space
0: <laughs> yeah i think it's also i mean just in general like for the the uh generalists like myself out there being able to take you know go find something on stack overflow and dump it in here and have it explain exactly what i'm looking at is just such a better way to learn you know the different things the different parts of code and you know different ways of doing uh of programming because you know it's like your typical workflow is very slow and and kind of arduous at the beginning when you're learning to code and stuff but most people just want to jump in and solve the problem that led them to tr- yeah. try to figure out what yeah. how to code to be like with. no no how you format it matters a like ton. right, yeah. to right. <laughs> and so you know just being able to have that where it's like hey tell me what this is doing or you know explain to me in common language instead of just you know the, the loop and the class and the libraries and all of that stuff or even just like can't tell you how many times i find write-ups like full blog articles how to do this with python blah 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 and then you go and you know you copy the whole piece of code over and you hit run and you're like oh Well, they forgot all the libraries that I needed to use to run this code and then but you know now with AI it can tell you that before if you didn't know what you if you were brand new and you didn't know that it needed all these libraries you would spend hours I know this from personal (laughs) experience trying to figure out why it wasn't working even though it's exactly what's in the stupid write-up yeah and then I call Bobby and he's like oh well uh did you put did you install the, the libraries Uh, no no, i didn't because i was rushing and trying to copy and paste and get this done right like just being able to have those little things that will prevent you from wasting so much time is is i think gonna help a lot of people quite a bit yeah do you see any uh what tell us a, a little bit about what the kind of conversations with different operators have been like or clients um around the ai stuff are they still are you getting any questions or anything like that from them yet or is it? kind of hands off and watching
1: i think there's lots of interest Uh, i think there's lots of like kicking tires yeah i think trying to decipher the value proposition of doing some of that stuff can be really tricky right it it really is until a bunch of places have done it published the results talked about it conversationally and said yeah if you invest a dollar you'll you'll return two dollars you get a lot of just kicking tires around stuff so I, i wouldn't say there's a how do I describe this there's some going on for sure but i wouldn't say it's pervasive yet I, I think it will be in the next few years if you just look at the general innovation right, sure. like curve of what it looks like you've yeah. got a few early adopters Type, that are willing to take the risk and go do some stuff but it's also a fairly expensive proposition right. to yeah. sort of get into to start doing so you're not talking about you know a five ten twenty thousand dollar investment yeah. you're potentially seven figures right to go do it correctly so i think people are kicking tires i also think the other thing is a lot of people are underestimating the amount of data quality work yeah required not like required before you go do it yeah so we all know the adage 80 percent of every machine learning AI project is just data cleaning (laughs) and data cleaning right yeah and that's entirely true because most of the data you want to use is from sources that don't require really rigorous data quality right where there's lots of gaps yeah looking at like you know public data and stuff like that so that's been the hard part like let's go do it yeah data scientist is like yeah it's gonna take me three months and then like a week in they're like it's gonna take four years yeah <laughs> well, i think even oh. just like narrowing
0: the scope i mean right now you just see all everything that people right. are doing with llms and like there's any number of spots in your business that you could try to apply it but like you've really got to narrow a scope and say like, yeah. i, I want to use ai to solve this
1: you know like i, I think the other thing is like and maybe we shouldn't say this as data workers, but like most projects fail. Yeah, yeah. Depending on how you define the criteria for those kind of advanced analytics projects, most of them fail. Yeah. Like they do not yield the result. And it's always interesting to see people spin it publicly. Right. That like, oh, we had all these successes. And I'm like, simple example. Someone's like, hey, we did this project. It's saving us $20 million a year in OpEx. Okay. It cost us whatever, a million dollars. It's like, that's fantastic. Yeah. Let's go look at your financial statements. Look at last year. Look at this year, and it's not twenty million dollars different. Right. So I'm like, well, yeah. Did you just decide to spend twenty million more somewhere else? Was that the survivorship bias? I mean, yeah, that's the one that works. So, so I think that's the. <laughs> and, and again, like for us, I think it's like that. Try to be really candid with yeah. our customers or our clients. To be like, I haven't seen anybody do it yet, John. Right. Like, yeah. uh, sure. Like we want to do it if you want us to hire us, but like I haven't seen anyone be successful doing yeah. it yet. I think a lot of executives appreciate that oh for sure yeah when it was a hundred dollars maybe you want to roll the dice and go do it but
0: but i mean i think to your point i mean like you guys can do that but you've got to lay the foundation of what you do as your core business first because you guys focus a lot on data quality and getting the data in a good spot as well
1: like yeah so we'll do a lot of projects where it's like hey we just want to do data cleanup and when you're ready we'll turn it over to the data science group like we don't have we're not engineers right so we don't have like production engineers or reservoir engineers on staff to do that work We don't live in that space. Yes. That's that's a profession.
0: But I mean, and one thing I think, just kind of coming back a little bit, you talk about like these basically experiments failing. I think one thing that always gets lost when people talk about data scientists is that it's data science. So you have a hypothesis and then you're out (laughs) testing it. And oftentimes you don't, you know, it doesn't work the way you think it was going to work. Like it's not a linear, like, oh, if I do this, I'm going to train a random forest model and it's going to yield 30, 30 million dollars. That's not how it works. Like. It,
1: it is like there's you a know, science to it. It's yeah. very the scientific iterative. method is a play. Like. Yeah. Well, what kind of artifact are you trying to get to? Like, you know, that's those are the things that you're trying to. Yeah. And when you ask someone, like, well, how accurate or how precise do you want to be? Yeah. And the executive's like, I don't know. Well, like, then when really I make a decision differently, right? But then it's really good and it's
0: overfitting and then it has problems. It's like, <laughs> later it, it really? On. Like, yeah. You,
1: you can, as we all know, you can iterate through models for a long time. So, and it it's hard thing for us to estimate that yeah. work as well, because it's like, I don't know when it's good enough,
0: right. Well, and then you have the flip side of it too, where it, especially in our industry, is it's like you've got to how many companies you've seen where they've got their black box AI that does whatever, and then the biggest holdup is they can't explain the results to the operator or to the client. Like there's no transparency into what's happening behind the curtain, so to speak. And yeah, and the operators like, well, it can't be right because you can't even explain how the hell it <laughs> produce these results and yeah, like, neural you know, network that's, with millions
1: of inputs and- right there's <laughs> also lots of vendors certainly for like subsurface you know the drill complete that kind of work that lots of vendors that have invested tons of mm-hmm. time and energy and money in already solving the problem and i, I really yeah. think that it's probably that is a product like yeah. i don't think it's a competitive sure. advantage for you to go try to build something operator. that might already be built yeah so and certainly like if you're talking about like, you know, you've got some AI vendors that focus primarily on Permian. So like it's, they're kind of the same wells. Yeah. So like to take that IP that someone's built and just buy it versus trying to build it, a lot of times is gonna be a lot cheaper and, and better. Yeah. Assuming you have data quality. We're yeah. talking to you it. operators. No, but that, I, mean, <laughs> yeah. I think
0: that it kind of made something click in my head, I mean like, cause we I think there's a lot of this talk about operators, you know, build versus buy or whatever. But I mean like operators, you know, what, say what I do and what your company does for operators build systems. And I think any good company should have good systems, Yeah, you know, but like they shouldn't necessarily be product companies. Cause then I mean, once you have a product, someone has to maintain that product. Someone has to support it. Someone you're know, like, right. Um, and there's going to be, continuous. And in the end, you know, you can argue a power BI report or spot, you know, Spotfire dashboard. I think mean, those are products in a, in, in a way, but not in the same sense of like, this is a software product where we built the solution and now it's only ours, but now you have to support it for all the customers <laughs> inside your business. Right. Like, um, you should be building systems that allow you to plug into, you know, solutions like that.
1: And, the, yeah, that's where we would lean much more towards that, right? Like yeah. we're doing the data integration, providing the data, providing the tools. We don't actually want to go solve the business problems. I don't sound a bit weird, but we don't want to solve no, the want business problems. You want to set problems. it up so that it's, the SMEs can... I, I think that all AI machine learning stuff requires a ton of business knowledge yeah. to be effective yeah. and to iterate through stuff. And we're focused on data. And providing integration and doing that work, the foundational stuff. Yeah. And I don't, to date, like we're not delving a ton into anything subsurface. Like yeah, I'm like, being I tell like you opinionated a, of like this is how yeah, you like analyze a perforation is, but I don't. Yeah. I don't ask me where you guys yeah. drill your. But but
0: I, th- but I think a little bit on that side too. I mean, I think don't undersell yourselves too. Like I mean, you guys understand oil and gas workflows, and that's important as well.
1: Enough to have a meaningful conversation, yeah. and also I would say maybe more importantly, enough to know that we don't know. Yeah like don't don't ask me sure. just just as
0: important
1: M- more important yeah to yeah. be honest right like there's a lot of people that would pad their resume yeah around like what they're good at and what yeah. they don't do and i mean all the llms
0: right they'll return something that could be completely always wrong get something and back. be very very <laughs> confident about their answer in it right yeah no that's uh i think i i kind of agree i think the the approach in my opinion, for anybody looking at language models and especially on the operator side, is find a really small niche part of the business that ideally has really good quality data that's structured and you have a high degree of confidence in and might not need a lot of additional human uh, context and input and start with something small just to see. Because to your point, if an operator wants to come and put their entire data set of all of their ops and stuff into an llm that's going to take forever and it's going to be this giant monolith monstrosity and like you're going to end up spending tons and tons of money just on getting on the etl (laughs) cleaning the data processing it transforming all the stuff that we know historically oilfield has been pretty bad about we have so much data yes but historically most of it has been unstructured unstandardized and it's you know sitting in a, a uh, file cabinet and they're or. either in a file cabinet or in their data lake which I know Bobby knows my favorite day lake meme which is just a dumpster fire um and they're like yeah it's in the data lake we just you know pointed at that it's like well just cuz it's there doesn't mean it's worth a shit and it sure is <laughs> if it's not structured it's definitely going to hurt the model more than anything else right and so i think a, a lot of people don't a lot of people don't talk about how fundamental the data input is for the language model or any of the ai stuff right is like yes these things exist and yes you can train them and yes there's potential that they have pretty good impact but there's a lot of legwork up on the front side that you got to do in order to do that
1: so i think that's the next 2 to 3 years yeah. coming back to your question bob is like getting so a lot of the obviously one of the bigger players or people really invested in data will already be down this path so they can discount the next 30 seconds but for the small kind of mid-range players for them to be able to compete they're going to have to delve into this space in a meaningful way and get access to data and do the data quality and the cleanup if they want to compete in that space to like you know how do we optimize plungers or whatever the whatever the problem you're trying to solve is yeah so I think that that'll be the next few years for us as as the accessibility of tools. right? And really for us, I would say the past three to five years, we've seen tons of cloud adoption. So because you've gone to the cloud, now you have unlimited horsepower. Right. You're always constrained yeah. when you were on-premise, mostly constrained. Now you have this ability to really process If you decide it, you want to, you can do it Yeah, tomorrow, you can like. do anything you want to, yeah. right? Yeah. You can you can spin up a whole new environment to do a POC in an hour. Right. Yeah. Where it's like, that used to be, wow, we got to order a rack <laughs> right, for the <this> yeah. service. <laughs> so being able to be much more scalable, you're seeing a lot more of those projects not suffer the technical constraints of like getting hardware to do work. It's just like, okay, what's the business problem? Can we justify it? And then can we go to a POC and try to solve it? I think yeah. you'll see a lot more of that. Yeah,
0: I've got yeah. To, the cloud allows you to iterate so much yeah. faster. Like, but Well, and spin and it up and spin time, it down. Right? Yeah. Like It's yeah. just yeah. It, the cost. Oh, that didn't work, now it's gone. Like it don't Right. I've got a question for both of you, actually. What is y'all's, do y'all see, given, I think we all kind of agree that, yeah, these next, these coming years are going to be really focused on that foundation, uh, the data piece. Do y'all see it as a potential competitive advantage, especially for the smaller, midsize, you know, PE-backed companies um, having good, like having a good data set so that when they do go to ultimately get acquired which is what most of their goals are that ends up being a a differentiator for them to you know their customer they either get a premium or they have a lot of more interest has anyone ever
1: gone into a data room and said it was good (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, i haven't heard that before
0: yeah i don't i mean like to we we brought on a guy sean from ensign Mm -hmm. and then we talked to andrew on the and like they had some really i thought they had done a great job from everything i heard marathon basically threw it away when they required
1: them yeah we like just, all the apps that he built all
0: of a I mean, like we don't care we just want the we just want the dirt and
1: we want the oil underneath it like yeah we have a client that bought a, another client of ours mm-hmm. and, and they they did some really cool stuff I thought it was really cool and uh it just didn't fit into their data strategy for what they wanted to do so they basically just turned it off so we didn't get value it. I think the value I think more of the value is like pre-purchase for those right. small to big right. markets Where like someone's going to come in and say hey john's got a bunch of data let's look at his data in the Mm -hmm. data room and run it through kind of our analytics and our processes and oh we've realized that we can carve out 50 percent on or 50 cents on transportation right or if we group these wells we'll get better throughputs or whatever it might be right so i think there's more value in that in trying to find value and stuff and i think if you're not doing it back to competitive advantage if you're not doing it you're potentially missing out on those. Yeah. On yeah. those opportunities. Right. You're like, nope. Right. It costs, you know, six bucks a barrel to get it out of the ground and stick it where I want to stick it. And yeah. I think if someone can do it for five fifty, especially at scale, that's where you're going to either pay a premium or revise right. value. Or you yeah. make
0: it that obvious yeah, you know, I mean just like you said, the usability of it, right? Like if it if you're looking at two companies and one mm-hmm. has just a bunch of junk, you know. It's not structured. There's errors and missing data and all of this stuff all over the place versus another that has everything clean and nice and ready to go. It's like, it's almost like, you know, there's almost a prejudice that gets put, you know, you're setting the the floor essentially with what the people that are looking at that data are going to expect. Right. And so it you know you're, you're not doing yourself any favors by having a messy <laughs> uh data set versus your
1: competitors being yeah, yeah and the game mean, and the game is simple right like you, you, mean, you better rock or you produce it cheaper yeah. yeah so i
0: mean there's two things here so one of them is yeah i think i think just good quality data in all these systems that we're building tie into operational uh, operational excellence you know and when you are a better operator you can prove that there's more value right. in this acreage so then you're more attractive like you know we came in and there were things that Seemingly or clearly, we did better than what Equinor was doing. And, you know, oil price played a big deal early on that really helped us. But, like, even before we drilled a well, we added tens of thousands of barrels just to our base by remediating wells and right. identifying those candidates. So, I mean, like, all, all of a sudden you just prove that there's more value in this than there was yeah. when we bought it. Um, but to your point about the data room, I don't think it matters like in the data room, but I think you know there were some data qualities especially say on our land side like and we were looking at maybe marketing some stuff or whatever like and when you have your ducks in a row and you can provide that data quickly get every, all your ducks in a row so you can go to market faster right. like while prices are in the environment because like you can this can swing we've seen it especially lately like you know we if you want to market you know an asset at 90 dollar oil that's a lot more attractive but if you don't have your data ducks in a row the way you want to be able to provide it. And then two months later, three right. months later, the prices go down to $65. Well, now you're not getting the price gone. you want and the t- opportunity is gone. So yeah, I mean, how many
1: deals are going to due diligence and 30 yeah. days go by and they're like, eh, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> we might need to change the price. So, I mean, yeah. I
0: think there is that side of it where For if sure. you really have your ducks in a row and, and I would say we, we could probably spend a whole other podcast talking about land data and, oh, yeah. you know, the use of data in the land side, it's just, I mean, it's, <laughs> um, but if you, I think, especially on that side, I think if operators have their ducks in a row on the land side, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of value there and that more kind of time is the money side of it, to your point, of like a data room kind of stuff. Yeah. What uh, what kind of languages do y'all mainly use? Do y'all use using R and Python or?
1: Not a lot of R. Not uh, a lot. Sorry, no, Jess. It's, it's more Python. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, more Python. I, I, again, part of this is just our preference no for you sure know, doing the same stuff try to create a commonality across dakota so we can support stuff uh some more technical people than me would say they like python better um python SQL like m dax power query yeah okay. those are kind of the it's
0: the only thing i don't like about power bi is that i have to learn two new languages instead of just one
1: with yeah you, it's okay because you can use chat gb yes you it, can yeah. now
0: <laughs> that definitely helps and the tooling's got a lot better around the <laughs> yeah now. So no, like they've the I mean, tabular they,
1: editor and they, dax studio they've definitely made yeah we use tabular editor all the time but they made it better it's still i mean it is what it is
0: right like, but yes. i mean but i mean there are different purposes i mean like and there's a little crossover but dax is you know for the met, kind of metric layer almost really right and then you know i mean i love power query for massaging the data and when we we're talking earlier about you know uh excel i mean when you can get power query into some of these accountants mm-hmm. in people's hands and like and then there's some traceability a lot more traceability to what they're doing than like right. trying to figure out oh they have this x lookup that that is this sum if <laughs> and you know like i mean we can go through and see like each step like oh they filtered this and then like because there's sometimes i mean again it gets out of my hands but at the point i provide them the data set out of snowflake and then they connect to it and then they're doing their power query stuff and they're like hey bobby this broke like usually it's user error but at least i can go and right. within five minutes we're stepping through and like let's just step through the steps boom this is where it is you had to filter on to july and it's august yeah you know, like you're missing a whole month of data like that's the problem you know but like it's traceable you say yeah. that
1: like it might have happened recently oh yeah i mean <laughs> no i mean that's all
0: name names but no i mean um but again like i yeah power query is probably my favorite yeah. part of the microsoft data stack honestly i think i don't know how we are already at an hour but yeah <laughs> you but get a- just real quick, I mean, on the python thing python and i think we've said before is just, just such a swiss army knife like, yeah. i mean if you got people doing advanced analytics but i mean between any of the cloud vendors they have a python sdk
1: i mean it's probably the most worth learning i it, mean like commonality across yeah. all platforms you're working in data i don't know how you get, get by away from it. yeah yeah without using it so
0: but yeah i guess we're running up on the uh, go go to the speed, speed round. round so we're just going to pepper you with some some random questions okay uh favorite Border video
1: game. Oh. I'm gonna say Roblox because my daughter's a huge Roblox player. So Same. With that my daughter is on that all the time. <laughs> it's a I'm, problem at our house. Yeah, I'm I'm
0: uh gonna pull my hair out, what's left of it if she asks me for Roblox or
1: I I've still Robux?
0: Yeah, I've still refused to buy her any because I know it's just gonna be this <laughs> yeah.
1: fuel Obsession, the addiction. Yeah. yeah
0: but uh favorite cloud data platform
1: today it's Databricks yeah
0: what about favorite uh, favorite open source anything it doesn't it doesn't have to be be related to what you guys do at all I don't know if I can pick one (laughs) give me a couple that you you like or even just that you stumbled upon recently that you thought were kind of cool
1: for open source stuff That would
0: be tough. I'll tell you one to to check out that I'm just kind of uh, blown away by. It's called Open Interpreter, and someone I don't know how they do this, but someone found a way to get GPT four access to the internet, and then created an agent on top of it. So you can like I can literally spin it up and say, I want to pull in my fantasy football team from ESPN, and then it'll say, Okay, here's three libraries that I found that can do that. Which one would you like? you have a preference and then you literally just it'll just go through and start pulling the code and writing the code for you and what's it called open interpreter open interpreter okay it's kind of a it uses the gpt you need a gpt api uh key but i think it uses part of the gpt interpreter add-on as well for the coding side. it's pretty slick check it out there's so many (laughs) uh who's your favorite follow on uh, social media
1: These are tough questions um
0: you <laughs> know in, in our space sure there whatever i mean uh, we, we had someone say
1: snoop Dogg on linkedin I'm I'm mean, say, like, i'm gonna say art berman Art, yeah he yeah a he, lot of good he i don't think i understand half of what he says <laughs> if i'm being honest but but i really like it's very interesting yeah he's very he's talking about very data driven forward-looking stuff yeah
0: nice um what else what is what is um What is your advice to people getting into the kind of either technology, energy tech, or let's go with just like the data space and stuff, whether that's an operator that's like, man, enough's enough. Like, we need to go do this or just an individual that, you know, is looking to to get into that side.
1: Start. That's a a lot of barriers to like, just like not sure where and how Mm -hmm. it's always it's not a straight road yeah just start it's an education it's it's yeah. experience
0: no that's one of the most common answers which i think is crazy because it's
1: the simplicity of the answer is also
0: the beauty like it, it can
1: be scary it's, it's terrifying. Hard. Yeah, it can definitely.
0: be terrifying it's hard you don't know where to start you don't know who to talk to you, you don't you know which cloud provider do i use there's three of them i don't you doesn't know. Yeah, do it doesn't matter Yeah, just like, do it yeah well and many use people a, are passionate try about them all yeah
1: which providers and tools and all yeah. that stuff
0: yeah. well it's like i know for example aws is like the the most popular one but like personally i like google's interface i don't do anything on gcp other than i've got a big query server but you know just like little things like that right just yeah try it you can't do yeah, that I especially starting. in this era where things yes. are so rip and replace i mean spin it up try it but have time as a free trial yeah you know, yeah. build something with it spin it down yeah you got 30 days go yeah back. or you know f- free year of amazon rds <laughs> right um do last one. What was I gonna? Houston or Calgary? Ooh.
1: Don't like, be wrong. No. <laughs> <laughs> Will you guys let me leave the room if I say Calgary? Yeah. Uh, I grew up there, so no, yeah. that's gonna be a home for me, but
0: Calgary in the summer is Houston. Spent a lot of
1: time in Houston and Denver of, of late, and it's ironic how many parallels there are. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Where uh where can people find you guys find you?
1: I uh, find me on LinkedIn. Obviously, uh, website DakotaAnalytics.com. Mark with the C. Mark with the C. Yeah, our website. Yeah, those are kind of the platforms. We don't tweet.
0: You should try it. Uh, You'd be amazed at, at the uh, the things that we can, can do. Another from. podcast on the yeah. value of
1: tweeting. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably not for us. Yeah.
0: Oh, fair enough. Appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. This flew by. Yeah, it did. It means it was good conversation. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks guys.
1: While some may see them as the crazy ones, we see genius because the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. Goodbye.